Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM. Sporting Edge is taking a nice, or half of the Sporting Edge is taking a nice little trip up to the Bradley Center for a pretty uh, crucial NBA game. We got the Milwaukee Bucks versus Minnesota, Minnesota Timberwolves. We'll be uh, broadcasting a little bit on Instagram from that location. But great I, game to see. Great game. A lot of great players in that game. What I've what I've determined about the NBA is you should, if you have the opportunity to go see the NBA live, I think it's the best spectacle to watch. Baseball, you have the most fun in terms of atmosphere and what goes on around the park. Football, a little tough because of what they've made available for you on television. Just It's way easier to sit on your couch and watch. Plus with all the fantasy options as well. Right, I and agree. I think football is like, even if you have the best seats in the house, it's still not as really good and as half the, the time you get on TV. And you can't, be, I mean, obviously sitting at the 50-yard line, you'd figure that, oh, you get most of the game in front of you, but really it's not. If you're down the red zone, you're still 50 yards away and behind the play most of the time. So right. it's and, tough. In baseball, you get it. You get a unique view that you probably don't get from TV because, you know, you're basically right behind the pitcher on TV. And it's a lot um, quicker, your reaction, when you're at a baseball game. You, you know where the play is I mean, going. I, my, my favorite seat, I think, is down the third or first baseline, 200 level. It's kind of a, a different view at the game, a little a little bird's eye view from the side. I'm kind of a Very fan cool. of sitting over the catcher, which we did before we sat yeah. above the catcher for that Max cool Scherzer-John Lester matchup we went to a couple years ago. I mean, I, that, I don't think you really get to see the difference in a, in a pro-style, I guess I want to call it pro-style body in a basketball game. You know, I was sitting at the Bulls game the other night. Um, in the first row, not courtside, but probably 20 feet away from the court, and those guys are absolutely ginormous. They're ginormous, and you re- they're talent really. What My best example of it is I, being the Dwayne Wade fan I am, there was times I went and saw the Heat play up in Milwaukee. There's been a ton of times I've seen Dwayne Wade play, whether he was with Chicago or not. But the coolest moment I got to see was LeBron James on the court during that heat stretch. They came up to Milwaukee. He had three top ten highlights the following day on SportsCenter, that game I went to. And it's a whole different thing. Seeing him live, if you're a basketball player, you just cannot enjoy anything more. It is the truest form of basketball, and it's right in front of your face. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and those those guys are so big. Like, you don't you can't see it on TV really, but I mean, even the guys, you know, who are like six six, six seven are just enormous. And like I I got to see it. Two pretty crappy teams the other day, the Magic and the Bulls. But, but one team won't lose, and that is the Bulls. And if yeah. you're a Chicago fan, you kind of are getting a little eerie about that as 
the draft picks are coming in. You kind of want Marvin Bagley the third. You have that ability to get him. Maybe Michael Porter Jr. But again, there's the injuries there, so you never know. But the Bulls keep winning. Yeah, I mean, you know what? I feel like as, as a sports fan, you know, you can cheer all you want for that number one pick or that lottery pick, but I don't think you can, you can look down on your team winning games. It's nice to see a Bulls team that. I don't think he has a lot of pieces. I mean, there, there's guys who play well on and off, but a, a guy like Laurie Markkinen, I think it is a. You know, they call they call him the mini Dirk. Um, I think he's he, the next version of Dirk. For I, sure. I think he is too, and it's amazing. I saw him for the first time like live the other day, and you know, I know he's only 19, but he looked like he's about 15. Um, I'm you, seeing a player live is a very player. very interesting concept, yeah. and I mean, while we're on the basketball tangent, we're going to bring up the the Christmas Day games, which were. To me, excellent. And it started early with the Knicks versus the 76ers. Really a true showcasing of, I thought, Christophe Porzingis and then Joel Embiid. I know, again, these are two kind of ailing teams. The 76ers were on a bit of a losing streak, so it was nice to see them pick up that win, especially with Simmons not being the dominant scorer he was. Yet you still had Joel Embiid. My big thing about this team, which is interesting to me, is J.J. Redick. There is absolutely a place in the NBA for... Characters like J.J. Redick. You I think see it with Kyle Korver. He's probably one of the best role players in the NBA, you know, relative to what he's supposed to do. I mean, he's a guy who can shoot the three. Um, very, very good teammate and just seems to kind of fit in wherever he goes. I mean, even with the Clippers, he just fit into his role perfectly, you know, with guys like Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, and Blake Griffin. Obviously, he wasn't the star of that team, but he's kind of finding a similar place with the 76ers with other superstars like Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. Um, you know, he really fits in well wherever he goes. And I, my thought is, is why isn't there a J.J. Redick, a Kyle Korver for every team? And I know it's not; it's easier said than done having a three-point caliber player like that. But that's what I'm looking for to like the Luke Kennards who are coming into this league. Maybe Grayson Allen next year, who I think is a terrific shooter down in the NCAA level, and it takes a lot to bring that up. I mean, we're going to have Trey Young coming, but he's even. I think he's more of an athletic brand than the J.J. Reddicks. But I think they're super valuable this team, and I think. Almost or like one of the best decisions he could have made by going to the 76er, young 76ers team, which gets Fultz back. He's expected to start doing some activity during this next Sixers trip. And so. you, you've also got a guy really stepping up this year in Robert Covington, um, a guy who plays, I think, the two or the three. And TJ McConnell as well. Right. So a, lo- a lot of guys stepping up for the 76ers, including the guys who they thought were going to be really good. You know, a guy like Ben Simmons is, you know, I think the best rookie in the NBA. You can make a case for Donovan Mitchell on the Utah Jazz. You know, he's he's playing, playing out of his mind. Playing phenomenally this year. But Ben Simmons is really a great guy to watch play the game. And if Joel Embiid stays healthy, which is, is a huge if. I mean, it always has been. It probably always will be. Um, you know, the 76ers are a team to watch out for because they're playing a lot better basketball than they have, you know, since I can remember. I mean, I think the last time they made a playoffs was probably with Doug Collins. Well, Alan, I was thinking even ago. further back with Allen Iverson who, to me, could still be the best point guard I've ever seen play on television. I mean, never got to see him live again. That goes into the discussion. Would have loved to have seen him live. We'll get into the big game, the eventual NBA Finals. And I watched this entire game through because I love this matchup. I think it's fascinating. There was no Steph Curry, so obviously say what you will about this. But the Cavs fought. And I think the Cavs traditionally fight against this Warriors team. It got a little chippy at the beginning of the game. A bunch of technical fouls here and there. Kevin Love is right now the second option. And Isaiah Thomas is expected to come back on this road trip in the next week or so. I mean, they're going to be in Boston soon, so that should be an enticing matchup. Kevin Love, 31 points and 18 rebounds. That's a season high for him. And I think that's beyond impressive because he was banging in the post. It's something that the Warriors, like I said last week and got criticized for bringing up, are not 
super dominant at. I like Jordan Bell, who's playing down there, that the Bulls sold for $3.5 million to the Warriors. But Kevin Love really performing well, especially since he finally stretched the court. Because where he is getting these rebounds is when the ball's not in his hand, but the other time he's spending on the side shooting threes. And I think that's super vital to LeBron, who didn't have his best game. LeBron, six assists, had seven turnovers, unfortunately. Did get fouled down the stretch. There's these arguments going on and on. The game's over. So NBA, I, NBA said they missed three fouls. I know, but the NBA. NFL does the same thing, yeah. where they've missed plays. It's over. The game's over. Yeah. The outcome's not going to be changed by it. I agree with Draymond Green on that aspect, that it's pointless to keep bringing this up. It's only you can learn from here. And you know what? It is a regular season game, so they're going to learn from this. I don't know how valuable this one game is, LeBron. I know obviously it would have felt good to beat the team that got his number in the last NBA Finals. But it is the end of the game. I don't like when the league admits to their refs being wrong, because that hurts the refs moving forward. Right. Uses the learning know, Talking about Kevin Love, I mean, I think he is a pretty good player, but the question is, will he show up when the Cavs need him the most? And in the NBA Finals last year, down the stretch, he really wasn't there. He didn't show up, and I think that was, you know, not the reason that they lost. I think the Warriors are definitely a better team overall, but Kevin Love, the question is, you know, will he show up when it really counts, when the lights are the brightest? And the question for me, I don't know. I, I would say I would probably say I don't not. Either. Um, but yeah, like you said, regular season doesn't mean much. I mean, it's nice to get these games um, in against some really good teams, but you know, we'll, we'll see when when the playoffs start. That's when the real magic happens. Absolutely, we'll be after the break, we'll be back after the break with more NBA talk. This is the Sporting Edge at Liberty Talk FM, everybody. What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back, of course, and always better than ever. We're going to wrap up a little bit here on the Cavs-Warriors real quick. The Cavs going into the fourth quarter were shooting below 30% from the field while maintaining a close game. The Warriors finished the game at 46.3%. Cavs did break 30. They finished with 31.8%. They also had fewer turnovers. They lost by seven, but obviously a couple free throws are in the mix at the end of that game. I think the Cavs shooting that poorly and keeping this a game is kind of remarkable to me. Let me be honest with you. I think yeah, but I, the Warriors are missing, you know, not probably not their best, but second best player. Yeah, but Clay Thompson, who took more, more of those shots that Curry would have taken, was on. He was feeling good. He was performing at a very high level on Christmas. I just think that, I mean, even Durant, he shot 8 of 19, obviously not the best from the field, at 25 points. I really feel that this Warriors team people are closing in on them a little bit. And this is also yeah. without Isaiah Thomas. And this, we can, is the, this is the mid-season talk coming this is, through. Let me, we might be blinded to it. I, I won't not. deny it. I might be. Let me just be blinded for a little I'm bit. Just, I'm just but they were also without Isaiah that. Thomas, who I think couldn't be any defensively worse than he was. And I don't think... Well, that's because he's just bad. Okay. He's a horrible defender. I love what Jalen Rose said, he, that... Isaiah Thomas is being underestimated. He's been sitting out. It's almost like he isn't as valuable as Kyrie because we've been able to see the product that Kyrie is putting out on the court. Don't forget that he was scoring 29 points per game. He finished third in the NBA last year in points per game. Yeah, but meanwhile... That's a piece you need against the Warriors, which we were arguing last Kyrie week with the Rockets. was a major piece in the Cavs winning that NBA championship against the Warriors. So why can't Isaiah be the same way? He can be. I just don't think he is. Because neither of them are defensively sound. No. And I think Isaiah from what we've seen, is a better score. And that we haven't had him on a new team yet. We are now just getting Kyrie on his own, who struggled a little bit on Christmas Day. That will be our next game we talk about. We got the Boston Celtics losing to, weirdly, I think their biggest rival. Obviously, you want to talk Cavs-Celtics. But the Wizards and Celtics have definitely been chippy, especially in the NBA Finals last year with John Wall getting into it. 
John Wall had an excellent game. The Wizards come out on top, obviously, on Christmas Day. He couldn't ask for much more, especially since it was on the road. They went in 111-103. Plus, we got to see John Wall at his absolute finest, finishing with 21 points and 14 rebounds and 5 let me back that up. It was 14 assists and five rebounds. John Wall looked spectacular on Christmas Day. If he was on your DraftKings lineup, you had an absolute hoot. And he got the essential help from what is now considered a max player, Bradley Beal. 25 points. And you can make the argument that he is he is deserving of that money. He also had eight rebounds. Beal, to me, not nearly as important as some other pieces I would find and pay $180 million. But it did help in this Wizards-Celtics Christmas Day game. But like I was saying, Wizards, I don't believe, are good enough. I don't think you got the best from the Celtics during that game. You had 20 points from Kyrie, who shot 8 of 18, and 2 of 6 from behind the arc. Jason Tatum, on the other hand, was 7 of 9 from the field, finished with 20 points, and is clearly my favorite rookie in this NBA draft. I've been saying it forever, and I think that... Yeah, since the summer. Since the summer. Barring the whole Ben Simmons, who's not a true rookie, I think Tatum, to me, along with Donovan Mitchell, obviously... Is the up is the best rookie and arguably should win rookie of the year? I don't know, Xander. This Wizards team fun right now, fun while they last. Not good enough in an yeah, Eastern Conference push, right? I mean, they're one game away from the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and I, I kind of see a similar fate from them this year. I, I mean, I hate to agree with you, but I, I just don't think they're enough. I do love John Wall. I think he's kind of blossomed into one of the best point guards in the NBA. Um, kind of was a slow and steady process. I mean, coming out of Kentucky. Um, you know, he didn't have the best first couple of years in the NBA, but I think his his kind of climbed the mountain a little bit and is one of those premier point guards in the league. But, you know, one player, usually not enough to win the title. Especially when you're expecting Bradley Beal to be the second player or Marcin Gortat to be the third option. I mean, you right. also have one of the Morris twins there. They, they didn't. They why you say it's a slow process, which I agree with. I think he's been an all star. He's shown that he's deserving of being an all star. But there's never been enough talent around him. I mean, through their draft picks, Otto Porter Jr., who they're giving top dollar, who they're he's he's been very good. This he year. has, but but it always comes to question: Is he the piece that pushes you to the next level? Is Kelly Oubre Jr. the next piece that pushes you to the next level? And I just don't think they've surrounded that. I think they've had opportunity. I know there's been trade talks to unite DeMarcus Cousins with his former teammate John Wall. What does it take to get to the next level? Because I think you have a next-level point guard, but you don't have the pieces around him because he's a dish-first kind of guy. He can explode, get to the lane. He's beyond athletic. He doesn't. He's not shoot-first. He needs a guy similar to Bradley Beal. I just think Beal is almost another Corver Reddick it's fantastic to have on your team but athletically he just hasn't proven to me that he can drive it to the lane he's not particularly a good passer I, they, they haven't filled John Wall they haven't given him enough presence and on Christmas you're supposed to give him presence yeah I mean I think DeMarcus Cousins would be a really interesting move to Washington I know there's talks about Anthony Davis possibly leaving New Orleans so with what happens next there I can't say but you know Washington. I agree. They're they're probably one piece away. I mean, they're they're closer than a lot of other teams out there. Um, like you said, John Wall, All Star Bradley Beal, All Star, not great. But I, this team is missing. I think another top flight player because I don't I don't know if he can win the whole thing with just um, just a John Wall. And that leads us into what I thought was arguably a very telling game, one of the most important games of the night. It was the Rockets on the road against the Thunder. We get Harden versus Westbrook, the most dynamic matchup you can get, I believe, right now, outside of LeBron and Kevin Durant. And they both came to play. You had Russell finishing with 31 points, 11 assists, 6 rebounds, and then you also had 
James Harden finishing with 29 points, 14 assists, and 8 rebounds. Like I said, they're stat monsters, and this is what you wanted to see. You didn't have Chris Paul in the lineup, so once again, you could put on hold maybe that this game lived up to what they might live up to in the future. But this this Thunder team finally played together. I mean, the stats prove it. Carmelo shot 8 of 12, 2 of 4 from 3, finishing with 20 points. Paul George, 8 of 15, 4 of 7 from 3, with 24 points. That's what you need to see, especially since right now, outside of the main three, Steven Adams is one of the best centers in the NBA currently. Statistics-wise and production-wise, Steven Adams has been performing at an unbelievably high level. Yeah, I just don't think this Thunder team has really put it together this year. I mean, they're sitting at 19 and 15 right now. Um, and then I don't really know what their full potential is. I've never been a fan of Carmelo Anthony. I've said that many times on the show. And he's admitted that he's ready to take a lesser role, which I think only helps him career-wise because I think he's still a very good scorer. Right. And I think this was kind of changing the guard. This is going to be a new face moving forward from this Thunder right. team. It was but, a very productive but again, game. It's, it's not a big three. Anybody I don't think it's a big three. I think it's big definitely three. a big two. I think Paul George and Russell Westbrook undeniably are two of the best superstars in the league. Carmelo, a little past his prime. And you can say the same about Dwayne Wade, who's moved to the bench role. He's, they're definitely past their prime. And I just think it's telling that they beat this team. I think Harden, I think it's time to give Harden the MVP, especially if they do finish on top in the West, which will be a little difficult, I think, with the Warriors there. Even if they finish the top two, the discussion is that if we're just going to keep changing it up and giving MVPs to everybody, then this one should go to Harden. Because the real way it should be done is LeBron should win MVP every year. His statistics have only gone up this year. 9.2 assists per game. His highest ever. 57% from the field. That This obviously stems to another argument about MVPs, which we'll get to later down the line in the NBA season. But for the time being, even with the loss, 29 points, 14 assists, 8 rebounds, he really puts it all out on the court. Yeah, you know it's funny though. MVP in the NBA to me is kind of like a catch in the NFL. You don't really, you don't really know <laughs> what right. it is. Is it the mo- is it the best stats? Is it the actual most valuable player? Is it a combination of both? Because I don't disagree with you that LeBron is probably the most valuable player to his team every year. But kind of like the Mike Trout argument. Argument. It's um, always it's Mike Trout, LeBron James. They're synonymous with one another. Such a high standard that. When he plays at that standard, it's just like, eh, you know, he's just doing what he normally does. Um, so, you know, MVP is, uh, it's hard. It's hard. And uh, like we said. Or is it Harden? It, or Harden. should be Harden this year. But the last game, not as important as the other ones. It was Timberwolves on the road against the Lakers. Timberwolves win 121-104. to 104. You, got, you got what this Timberwolves team had to offer. And that's one Taj Gibson proving to be a very vital piece to a team, so that could be important down the line for this Timberwolves team. Taz Gibson, great role player. One of the best role players, I think, in the NBA. 23 points, 9 rebounds. Carl Anthony Towns, 21 points, 10 rebounds. Jimmy Butler with 23 points, 8 assists, which you love to see because he was not a huge passer in his time in Chicago, and I think that needs to be more something added to his game. Obviously, Jeff Teague is there to help well, with the assists. he's assist. not really the... He might be the go-to guy, but, I mean, there's so many more pieces around him. Especially like Andrew Wiggins, who had 16 points. Had a more quiet game, Andrew Wiggins. I'll be very fair about that. They beat the Lakers, but Lonzo Ball is absolutely being upstaged by Kuzma. 31 points on Christmas Day. He might be the best rookie in L.A. right now. Sorry, Lonzo. You know how we feel about the Ball family. But that's all the time we have this segment, everybody. This is the Sporting Edge of Liberty Talk.fm and AMFM 24-7. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report. 
bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to the Bubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at Bubba at the Bubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at Bubba at the Bubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, the Bubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back, and we're back with college football. We took a break last week, a little hiatus, because Jared Rubin had to dictate dictate the sporting edge. Didn't want to go very much into college football, especially since the bowl games weren't as relevant to him as it was to us. He's in our bowl pick as we've mentioned. It's not looking too good for him right now. Obviously, things can shift. Things can change. But we are back to talk about some bowl games. We're not going to go super in-depth with some of the New Year's games. We're obviously going to cover the playoffs in, in full during this segment. But real quickly, we got Ohio State versus SC. That's going to be the first of the real kind of big games. I The spread right now is minus 7.5 in Ohio State's favor with a 64 over under. I think Ohio State does crush it. Their margin of victory right now is 22.6. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. This USC team is very well-known for giving up points, and Sam Darnold does turn the ball over. I think this is a rough matchup, per se. Yeah, you know, it's it's always hard to tell which team is going to show up in a bowl game, um, but I think Ohio State, I ragged on them a lot this year for kind of folding up um, when they needed it the most. I know they, they did beat Wisconsin for the Big Ten Championship, but, you know, losing to Iowa by, you know, 35 points, that was That'll really... That'll keep you out of the playoffs, right, that, if, that, for all you boo-hooers. Right, and... and Nick Saban, with one of the bigger backhanded comments when that came out, he said, if we lost to an unranked conference team by 35, everybody would be telling us that we would not be in the playoffs. So congrats to Nick Saban for that comment. That was actually like a few weeks ago now. But I do like Ohio State. I think JT Barrett comes out in this game. Kind of shows us why. Remember what we saw out of Sam Darnold against Penn State, though, last year? Yeah. That was was my kind of of second thought. My question is... How many confidence points were you feeling in terms of? Um, wow. Well, because I'm kind of a gambler at heart, I put the most confidence points in my entire pool on Ohio State. And I put 41. And I put 33. So there's that's eight slots before that. So we're very confident on the Ohio State team. The next, I'm, I don't think I'm 100% confident. Sounds like you are with your points. I'm, I'm a gambler. That's there you go. Way to be a gambler. We, we found that out at Potawatomi. The next one is also a Big Ten Pac-12 matchup. Penn State versus Washington Huskies. I took Penn State here, also with extreme confidence. They're my third highest slot at 39 points. Penn State, I think, is more dominant. They showed it, obviously, against a very strong offensive team that is UCA, or USC Trojans, who and I don't think Jake Browning and this Washington Huskies team has shown me enough this year to have me super concerned. We know they have a good defense, but you're also going up against Saquon Barkley. I took 39 points on Penn State. I don't know how you're feeling. I put 32 points in the Washington Huskies. So that's just a great little matchup between this us. Is a, this is a game that could definitely decide our bowl pool. Saquon Barkley, unbelievable player, but you know it was kind of in the driver's seat for the Heisman Trophy and didn't really have a great end of the year. Um, you know I love Coach Chris Peterson. 
of the Washington Huskies. Um, you know, coming off a 43-42 overtime victory against Boise State. Um, you know, to cap the 05 season, his last bowl appearance. I, I just think this Washington team, you know, at playoffs a couple of years ago didn't really work out against Alabama. Ugh. They were very overmatched, but I don't think that's going to be the case against Penn State in this game. I do really like Penn State. Disappointing season for them, in my opinion. You know, I thought they should have beaten Ohio State in that Big Ten um, conference matchup. But I do like Washington. Jake Browning, not as good of a year as he had last year, but still 18 touchdowns, five interceptions, threw for over 2,500 yards. Um, and I, I just like Washington in this game. I know Penn State's a two-point favorite, but give me the Huskies. Go ahead. So we also then have an ACC Big Ten matchup between the Miami Hurricanes and Wisconsin Badgers. I don't think it doesn't even matter. We both are on Miami here. The defense Miami for small for me. Mine's smaller, 18 points, but they say it here. Miami is playing to shackling number six, Wisconsin. That's their goal. The turnover chain they hope to be in use as they are a very turnover-prone team, the Badgers. And the thing we saw is there is not an offensive player on this Wisconsin team that would scare me. And I know you can say the same for Miami, but I think Miami's going to pull what they did against Notre Dame here. I think they're going to win by 40. I'm just going to put that on the universe. Yeah, you know, I think Miami's defense is going to be the key The key to this game. Um, Malik Rozier. How, how do you say his last name? Rozier? Rozier? Rozier. I don't know. Whatever. Rozier is if you're getting he, fancy. He had a very rough end of the year. Um, that game against Pittsburgh was absolutely atrocious. He even got benched one series in the fourth quarter by Mark Rick, which I still think was a very questionable decision. Regardless, though, I think this Miami team is a little more sound than Wisconsin. Wisconsin had a great year, undefeated all the way up into the last game. But they really showed their true colors against an Ohio State team. I thought pretty clearly outmatched them. I know the game was close, but Wisconsin, a team that... I think the red suited them. It's like a bloody beatdown they took. Right. Plays defense, runs the football. But I think this Miami team is a little more talent. And again, I'm going to bring up, you you don't know who's going to show up during the bowl game because they they really don't mean that much unless you're in the playoff, you know, but I like Miami in this game. I think they show up. Defense, if they can force a couple turnovers, I think this game is going to be an absolute blowout. But I do like them straight up. Um, you know, Alex Hornerbrook, not a guy who I think who can lead a team back like we saw in that Ohio State game. So if Wisconsin gets down early um, and they have to get away from the run game, I think they're going to be in a lot of trouble in this one. So we don't really care about LSU or Notre Dame, which was one of the next options. We both put 35 on LSU. But last game before the playoffs, Auburn versus UCF is a t-ball shot (laughs) i took auburn for all the points in the world if they would allow me to double down on it i would double down right now i love these matchups from non-power five teams versus power five teams especially against a defense like this auburn team i think there's zero shot in hell this is another mortgage bet i believe i would put it all on auburn (laughs) what are we getting your triple mortgage now this is triple mortgage although i think i've i've doubled my mortgage i definitely think i've pulled off some of those mortgage bets not the michigan state patriots a couple weeks ago on monday night that was not a mortgage bet i covered michigan state was the one i was going to give you that lost to ohio state when they were plus 17 and a half i did not cover that spread but auburn all my points i know you got ucf try to give me a short word, some glimmer of hope you have. Um, I've got UCF for 33 points out of the 41. Um, UCF Knights winless only three seasons ago. College football's only unbeaten team playing in a New Year's Six Bowl for the first time as the best of the non-Power 5 conference team. They won the AAC on a shootout against USF, 62-55. to I think this offense is very high-powered. 
And I know that, you know, they're going up against one of the best defenses in the country, but I just think Auburn has run out of gas. I think you saw that in the Georgia game. Um, major injury to carry on Johnson, I thought, kind of turned the tide in that game. I honestly didn't, didn't think Auburn played that bad, but a couple key turnovers. They really never got into it, but I see a similar outcome in this one. I don't think Auburn is really going to show up. And I think UCF, I mean, this offense is is something to watch. And I know that they, they play in the AAC, but I, I like UCF to win this game. Um, and I think they're going to give Auburn a run for their money in this one. Now, to the games that finally matter. Georgia, <laughs> Oklahoma. First of the two games. Uh, you know my opinions. My national champion is coming out of Oklahoma. The Boomer Sooners are my team to win it all this year. Right now, they're underdog by point one or 1.5. They're plus 1.5. There we go. The money line is plus 105, and the over-under 60. This offense versus the SEC defense that you're supposed to be afraid of, the SEC defense that runs college football, I'm not so concerned. There is Baker Mayfield, who I heard it said. Don't know who said it on ESPN. but Let it be known. Let it be known on ESPN. Some commentator said the first quarterback that should be drafted in this year's NFL draft, Baker Mayfield. And I put my money, not the mortgage, but my life savings on Baker Mayfield. I'm taking Baker Mayfield and the Oklahoma Sooners over the Georgia Bulldogs. And I'm sure there's a little discussion to be had. There's not much discussion because I also am a big fan of Oklahoma in this game. I've ragged on Georgia all year, and they really they really put my argument to bed by taking down Auburn in the SEC championship game. But like you said, Baker Mayfield, to me, is probably the most exciting player in college football. And I don't think this Georgia defense has what it takes to stop Baker Mayfield. He's a guy who shows up when the lights are the brightest. I think he's going to ride this game to a national championship game. Clemson is my national championship winner. But Oklahoma, I think, takes this game pretty easily. I think Georgia is going to fold the tent like they normally do. They've gotten a lot farther this year than they had under Mark Richt, um, a guy who had a great year with Miami. But I don't think this Georgia Bulldogs team and Jake Fromm have what it takes to take down Oklahoma. Sooners are going to the national championship game, and I think they're going to do it relatively easily. I would hope so. They're averaging 44.9 points per game. Obviously, that's up against a Georgia team that's allowing 13.2. But you've got this Oklahoma team who's faced two top 15 opponents in our last two games and have scored over 38 points, scoring 62 against Oklahoma State, whereas you have Georgia in their last two games allowing 40 points and allowing 10 against a South Carolina team that is somewhat irrelevant to me. Obviously, I'm not cons- counting the Big Te- or the Big 12 championship or the SEC championship. I just wanted to take a little shot back at the regular season. I'm feeling good about Oklahoma here. I think also averaging 583.3 yards per game. That's an absurd amount of yards. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think Georgia in the end won't have the offense to keep up. And I think Baker Mayfield closes it down the stretch like a beautiful horse you put all your money on. And they're going to win this game to be the first team in the playoffs. We'll be back after the break, everybody, with our analysis on Clemson and Alabama right before we start our NFL talk for the week. What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back for our final segment of the day. And why not start off with round three? Alabama versus Clemson. This one, not for a national title, but just as important as they are fighting to get to the national championship game. Alabama, early three-point favorites. Clemson, we're seeing them as the underdog. We don't see it a lot on their schedule, but this is a very enticing matchup. I know both of us are on Clemson. 
But there is an easy way to look at the other side as well. Alabama won't turn the ball over, but they are going up against a defense that does force turnovers. Jalen Hurts, one interception this year. I think it's going to be interesting. I think this will be Jalen Hurts' second crack at it, where it's going to be Kelly Bryant's first crack at it. So that could be an interesting little play in this game. Yeah, you know, Kelly Bryant has really come to play this year, and I remember going all the way back to that Auburn game. I think it was like week two, week three of the season. Um, I really thought this Clemson team was for real. You know, even after that loss to Pittsburgh when Kelly Bryant kind of got knocked out in the second half. Syracuse. Let's, let's, Syracuse. let's say how bad the team actually was. Okay. Pittsburgh didn't wasn't as bad. Fair enough. Um, anyways, Clemson has not faltered, you know, really Since. the entire year. Besides that one game, they've played solid. Kelly Bryant has not folded under the pressure of playing for a team um, that I wouldn't say might not be the favorite for the national title at the beginning of the year, but, you know, Number one, number two ranked team. I mean, they, they've been there all season. And I love that this is round three of probably the biggest heavyweight matchup in college football. Probably going to be end up being the best rivalry of of my college football life. You know, that Texas-USC game was great, but that was one game. This is They've the given third, us third or three. Right? And this is the third one. This game should be unbelievable. Really interesting point you brought up with Jalen Hurts. And the Alabama Crimson Tide not turning the ball over at all. They do have a ferocious running attack. Guys like Bo Scarborough. Um, name of their second running backs eluding me right now. But Dwayne Harris. Dwayne Harris, right. Two of the better running backs, I think, in college football. This Alabama team also plays their fair share of defense like they've done you know, for the past 10 years. But an injured defense is the real banged concern. Up. How banged up are they going to be for this game, though? That is the question because, you know, we saw down the stretch against Auburn that they, they really did not play well that game. Both sides of the ball. I'm not just going to throw it on the defense. Um, but this, this should be a good one, and I agree with you. I like Clemson plus the three and straight up here. I think they ride the wave to their second national title in a row. I love Dabo Sweeney. I love what he's done with his program. And regardless of the outcome of this game, um, both these teams will be all right going down the road. Clemson, I think, has kind of solidified themselves as a premier program in college football, which I don't think you could have said four or five years ago. But the job that Dabo's done with his, this entire team, and especially losing to Sean Watson, who was probably the best player in college football last year, um, you know, he, and he did win the Heisman. So I guess I could say that with a certainty. Um, it's, it's been unbelievable to watch them this year. Two one-loss teams going up against each other. Biggest fight of the year, I think. I think this is the biggest game. Um, but I, I like Clemson. I think they're going to pull it out, and I think it's going to come right down to the wire again like it did last year. I would say, listening to sports, it's really easy to leave an impression with me. It always has been. And us talking about this game might have just left an impression I was not expecting to be left with after we had a conversation today. I might be leaning towards Alabama. I wow. have time to switch the pick. Wow. And I switch, might. Switch your pick. I might switch it to the Crimson Tide. Of Alabama. What's got, Jay, what's got you switching sides? Jalen Hurts, second crack at it. A very poised quarterback in his sophomore season. A guy who's confident with the ball. The only other concern I have, though, is that injured up or injured front eight of the Alabama defense. Sure, it's not the front seven? Front, maybe front seven. I don't, maybe they run a 4-3. I believe they run a 4-4. Four, four. I believe that defensive line, though, very much intact. It's more about their middle linebackers that have had the issue. My decision has not been made, but you will know soon. Everyone who follows on Instagram, we've been getting a lot of love on that, by the way. We're going to start shouting out people who are reaching out, but we've been getting a lot of love on Instagram. That will be where my official pick comes in on the Alabama Clemson. Let me tell you, it is a coin flip right now. 
But Alabama is definitely getting the heads on the coin, let me tell you. Let's talk about NFL. I'm out still. We picked up a loss. We lost 16 nothing. Just want to put the one bit of Packers news in there. So we're going for the better draft pick. Okay. End of the Packers. The NFL is getting interesting, especially not necessarily on the field, other than if you're a Rams fan, I think you have the best running back in the game right now. Yeah. And I thought it was Le'Veon Bell, but Todd Gurley with Interesting the ball. Interesting fact, Todd Gurley, week 14 through 16, had the best three-week stretch of any fantasy running back in the history of fantasy football. So, yeah, I think he won a lot of fantasy football championships. I think he did. Didn't league. do it for me last year, but he did it in our league oh, for, our, for our buddy yeah, Dylan Yeah, he's going to end up, I think, with 2,000 yards and 19 touchdowns, and they're going to rest him week 17. Um, what an unbelievable year. So who do you take with the 1-1? Gurley or Bell? Oof. <laughs> that, that's tough. I, You know what? If you had to put me on the spot for next year right now, I think I'd probably have to lean with Le'Veon Bell. Just the consistency factor. The consistency. I mean, the guy is the quietest, best fantasy player in the NFL um, and had a slow start to this year. You know, after David Johnson went down, kind of looked at Le'Veon Bell like, wow, number one and two, not really cutting it right now, but quietly slid up into the second best fantasy running back in football and it really wasn't even that close. But... What, what can you say about Todd Gurley besides that he's Based, an absolute beast? Beyond a beast. And I think this Rams team is becoming more and more fun to watch. We're excited to do our NFL predictions later. But we're starting with off the field because a lot of off the field drama is occurring. And we'll start with a quicker story just because it doesn't pertain to me other than if you're on a bad team that it is, why do you need to create more of a distraction? And that starts with Eli Apple and their star defensive player, Landon Collins. Who I think, when you have a player of that caliber in Collins, I mean, because there's nowhere you're going other than forward with Collins on that defense. I think he's one of the most prolific players in the NFL. He's up there with the Patrick Petersons, the former Darrell Revises. I know this; they play different positions. But even people like, I'm spacing Ed Reed, really ring a bell when you think of Collins. And Apple's being labeled a cancer and is actually being suspended for it. Just a distraction that's not needed the season's over. You got to deal with Eli, which is going to come ultimately this offseason. I you think they're going to deal happen. with him by getting rid of him. I think so too. Um, unfortunately, a lot of anonymous. I mean, but it's time to get rid of Apple. Then it sounds like too. This, yeah, they're going to get rid of him. It's kind of a crapshoot right now. There's it's kind a lot of, of kind chaos. Of, um, a microcosm of the Giants season. Just yeah, it's just been a distraction. The it entire has. thing. And it's it's to me, Landon Collins saying this is like if Clay Matthews was saying this about a player, or Aaron Rodgers saying about somebody on the offensive side. I mean, you're getting your top player. I mean, Madden ratings aside, I would put him at the top of those ratings. I think you can't really, you don't want one of your biggest influencers and biggest leaders saying this about another player, right? But I think it's kind of coming out that a lot of people feel the same way. So, and maybe that is a point you need to whether it's the right thing to say or not. I mean. Him being and I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to say. You just, as a team, you don't want to, as an organization, you don't want to see this oh, happening. Yeah. It's bad, but you know, they're not they're not fighting for anything. But next season, right now, which so. is still up in the air, as they could have a new quarterback in the name of Darnold Rosen or the guy from Wyoming who hasn't impressed me, so I don't say his name. But the other interesting news, as the Patriots just love, they love it away to put themselves in the news towards. The end of Picking the year. Picking up the trash that nobody wants. And Jerome Harrison seems to be that trash. James? James Harrison. I always say Jerome. I don't know. Jerome Betts. Whatever it is. James Harrison, who to me is still the biggest freak on this planet. If you've watched those workout videos. Spends $360,000 a year to stay in shape. And That's pretty he, in shape. And he's in shape. He's in shape. He's going to sack Ben Roethlisberger. That would be a story He's going to blow past Marquise Pouncey, who's 
giving him crap, and he's going to sack Ben Roethlisberger. As, as I've been sitting here over the past hour, there's been, I think, four different reports come out from Steelers camp about essentially how James Harrison has kind of treated the team like crap, and you know, guys like Bud Dupree coming out, like you said, Marquise Pouncey, kind of saying that you know James Harrison really was not a good teammate over the course of this year. Um, you know, I don't want to speculate on what he actually was because you know I'm not in the locker room, I'm not around there at all. But um, James Harrison has not really played football this year. I think he's played a total of about 50 or 60 snaps. And from me personally, it sounds like the guy wants to play football was not getting a chance in Pittsburgh. Um, so I thought he had every right to get you know I don't know, say he cut himself, but <laughs> essentially that seems like what happened. But you know if the reports are true that he really wasn't being a good teammate, that would definitely make me think a little less of him. Um, but I think he's still probably got a little bit of a motor to play in this league, and what a better team to play for than New England Patriots. And what a better sight to see than James Harrison sacking Ben Roethlisberger in the AFC Championship game, presumably. That's all the time we have this week, everybody. This is the Sporting Edge at Liberty Talk.fm. Check us out at the Bucks game. Actually, it'll have already been passed, but we'll send you live <laughs> feeds from the Bucks game. Hopefully you like our Instagram pictures we left yet. Have a great weekend, everybody. Happy New Year's. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Liberty Talk FM.